Glad that you're here tonight. We have another opportunity to be together to worship. I invite you to uh, keep your mark in 2 Peter chapter 3, and we will uh, be there in some uh, corresponding passages in just a moment as we uh, just take a minute to, to review where we are from this morning. We studied about some of the Judgment Day events. Uh, just to review those as we have here on, on our first chart. Let me get back to it here. Everybody's going to be racing the dead. There'll be a resurrection of the just and the unjust. And our great judge will appear. Revelation 20 and verse 11. The great white throne uh, in splendor and majesty and dominion and rule and authority. And all will be gathered before the judgment seat of Christ. As we've just read with Caleb in 2 Peter 3, heaven and earth is going to be dissolved. Fervent heat, the loud noise, all of this material realm is going to be removed. Uh, we also saw this morning that books are going to be opened on that day of judgment. Revelation chapter 20 and in verse 12. The divine record, that is the divine standard uh, by which we shall be judged, by which we will give an account based on what we have done. So God's standard that He's given us already now in Revelation, His Word is going to be opened and our lives will be judged by it. Uh, we also might mention another book is going to be opened there on that first chart, the book of life. That is, God knows and, and uh, who will be saved uh, those who are in Christ, those who have lived by His will, their name is going to be written in the book of life and uh, they will escape the second death. We saw this morning that, of course, it's an individual judgment. You're not judged for me. I'm not judged for you. Uh, each one will give an account to God. And the result of that judgment will be just. It will be righteous. It will be according to truth either a reward or a punishment eternally pronounced uh, at that great day. Now, with those facts about the judgment, the last judgment, the last day, the final judgment, what kind of people ought we to be? And that's what this second part of the, of the study is about, is how should the judgment day affect us, affect our lives day by day? In Acts the 17th chapter, verse 30 and 31, to people who needed to be saved from their sins in Athens, Paul said that the times of ignorance God winked at. That is, He did not immediately impose His punishment against sin. God was long-suffering. God worked out His plan and purposes, and He sent the Christ. He sent His Son. But it says now He commands all men everywhere to repent. The message of the Gospel is a message of repentance. Faith and repentance. Faith in Christ, repentance uh, toward God. And, and the reason he says said there is because God has appointed a day in which He will judge the world in righteousness. The whole world's going to be judged in righteousness by the man whom He has ordained. And He's given assurance unto us in that He's raised Him from the dead. So God raised the judge, Jesus, from the dead. And now, at the last great day, He's going to raise all of the dead and we're going to stand before Him. That ought to impact the choices we make day in and day out. 
that ought be ought to be seared into our mind in remembrance and reckon and understanding that we are not just living for the moment. We're living for eternity. The choices we're making today, we we you know they affect us today. We may be we're, we're making plans for next week, next month, next year, five years from now, ten years from now, thirty years from now when you retire. A lot of us a lot sooner than that, but. Right, Lauren? Okay. We make all those plans. It's not wrong to make those plans. But, you know, we're supposed to remember if the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. And we're supposed to remember in all the planning that we plan and all the words that we say, all the attitudes we have, all the actions that we engage in, we're going to give an account. There will be a day of reckoning. We will answer for the choices we made, for the lives that we've lived. The Bible says that it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. If we fall into His hands not prepared for judgment, it truly is a terrifying thing. But we don't have to be terrified. We shouldn't, as God's people, we're not terrified. If you go back to that passage in Second Peter 3, it said in verse 14, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things. He says we look forward to the world being destroyed. We look forward to a new heavens and a new earth. We look forward to the realization of the promise, of God's promise that will be fulfilled of an eternal dwelling place of righteousness. Now that's going to impact how we live. So, how's Judgment Day affect us? Number one, and this we're just going to look at three things, three basic areas this, this evening. One is, it should compel us to examine our lives, to repent of our sin, and to obey God now. To be urgent and fervent and diligent in all of these things. Again, we remind ourselves of 2 Corinthians 5.10. Some of these verses we read this morning. Let's remind ourselves that that passage says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is not going to be a voluntary thing. It's compulsory. We must all appear. That each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So I need to be investigating what I'm doing in life. Is it good or is it bad? Is it good as God says it's good? Or is it bad according to God's Word? The books are going to be open so I can take that book, we can take this book, we can look at this standard, and we can know, am I doing what's good or doing what's bad? In chapter 13 and verse 5, look, Paul said... Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Well, being in the faith is living in the Gospel of Jesus. Doing the good that God's Word has revealed. We are to examine or test ourselves against it. Because in the Day of Judgment, we will answer according to it. So, it's kind of like, you know, it's the open book test, brethren, and and preparation. We know we're going to be given an account for our attitudes, for our words, for our conduct. And so, let us test ourselves now. Let us judge ourselves according to spiritual things and choose those things that are right in God's sight. Now, he goes on to say, 
Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified, unless you are reprobate, cast off? He says it's, we can be cast off if we are not in the faith, if we're not walking in the faith. We need to examine ourselves every day. As, as uh, we, need to, we need to commit ourselves to repenting. Acts 17.30 He commands all men everywhere to repent. When I find sin in my life, it's time to be diligent. It's not time to make excuses. It's not time to, 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 to blame somebody else. It's not time to, 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 to justify myself. It's time to humble myself before God, before His truth, and get right with God. Change my heart to conform it to the will of God. We can't, we can't try to hide or deny our sin. Because in the day of judgment, it's going to all be revealed. God's going to judge the secrets of men according to my gospel in Jesus Christ. Romans 2 and verse 16 says, look at 1 Timothy 5 with me. Paul said to Timothy, some men's sins are clearly evident preceding them to judgment. But those of some men follow after. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident, and those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. About a week or so back, I got an email from somebody. I'm not sure what he read, but he was kind of upset. He, he said, you're showing your hand. said when, these were his words, when Obama was in office, you were, you were challenging him all the time, but now that Trump's in office... You're, you're as quiet as a church mouse. I said, well, I, I replied to him, I said, well, since I'm not a political commentator, I'm not sure what hand it is that you see, that you think you see. But I told him this, I said, and I made this statement, you know, Trump's sins are evident. Others, not so much. And I referred him back to this passage. You know, some men's sins are clearly evident. Not hard to recognize. Not hard to see. Others, they're not so, so evident right now, but they're very evident to God. Whoever it is. You know, whatever administration, whatever person. We make a choice in our, and we bring it on ourselves. See, because remember it said examine yourselves. You know, he was, he was, he was kind of in the examining me mode. I understand that. You know, when you teach, when you preach, you're going to be you're going to be examined. You know, and I understand that. Uh, just I prefer to be examining what I'm teaching. You know, uh, but uh, nevertheless, we, we we'll accept that. But you see, none of those things will be hidden on the day of judgment. Now, when I understand that, when I know that nothing's going to be hidden on the day of judgment, then it ought to cause me, if I, if I truly believe that, truly believe God about that, then, then I'm not going to try to hide my sin now because I know that's, a fu- that's futile. It's like hitting my head against a wall. What am I accomplishing? Kicking against the goad like Saul. I'm just hurting myself. So, so I don't need to try to hide my sin or deny my sin, explain away my sin, because in the day of judgment... God's not going to accept those explanations. That's not going to benefit me. Then, so why do I believe it's going to benefit me now? No, instead, since all's laid bare before God, 
I need to do that with myself. I need to be brutally honest with myself so I can repent and conform myself to truth because God's judgment is according to truth. Romans 2 and verse 2. According to the books that are opened and my life judged according to what's written in the books. So, brethren, let's take time to really examine ourselves. To really to open the book and make sure that I'm bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Make sure I'm adding to my faith virtue and, ver- and all the other attributes that, that strengthen and secure us in our faith. 2 Peter 1, 5-9. Make sure that I'm growing. Make sure that I'm exhorting. Make sure that I'm serving the Master. And when I'm not, if I'm leaving something out, then I'll repent. If I'm doing things I shouldn't, thinking things I shouldn't, saying things I shouldn't, then let's repent. Let's change our heart and change that because, you know, really, when we we go down and look through our life and the things that we say, think, and do every day and then bring that over to the judgment scene and say, I'm comfortable talking to Jesus about that. If you're not, then stop it. If you're not comfortable with that, then repent of it. So that in the day of judgment, it won't be a day of condemnation, but of reward. How does the judgment day affect us? How must it affect us? It must affect us to live a holy, godly life. That's what Peter said. 2 Peter 3, this is the point he is making. Instead of the fact, instead of those who were asserting the Lord's not keeping His word, Peter says He absolutely is keeping His word. He's kept it in the past. He's going to keep it now in the future, in the judgment. And so, as a result, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, without spot and blameless. Here's what we do: it's going to cause us to be diligent, to be fervent. Second Peter, or I'm sorry, Second Timothy two, fifteen. Study. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A workman doesn't need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. We need diligence in our personal faith. We need to not be, not not become complacent. But before that point, let me let me make this point with you because it it it's setting judgment language in Romans two. That means we don't live hypocritically. Now we've we had some recent study about that in our adult class. You know, there's a big difference between a Christian who from time to time sins and a Christian uh, because of that sin being a hypocrite. A sin uh, when a Christian sins, that's not automatic automatically hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is pretending to be something we're not. We must never pretend to be holy. We must genuinely be holy. We must not pretend to be godly. We must genuinely have piety, have reverence toward God in our lives. Romans 2, 1 through 3. Look at this verse with me. It says, You are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge, 
practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? He's alluding back to the first chapter and the sins of the Gentile world. And now he's shifting his his audience to those who say who, those Jews who were saying, Oh, the Gentiles, they're they're horrible sinners. But he says, You're doing the same thing. You're being a hypocrite, he said. You're going to condemn them, but you condemn yourself. You know, it, it, it's not just a matter of saying, "Well, God, all those people out there in the world are going to be going to be condemned." But if we're doing the same thing they are, we are too. We will be too. And so Jesus warned us as disciples, as people following Him, we can't be hypocritical. We can't pretend to be following Him. But we must have we must be diligent, Peter said, to be found in him in peace. Holy and godly. Look at Luke twelve, what Jesus said in verse one. In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together, so that they trampled one another. There's just throngs of people. He began to say to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. So, you know, the effect of the effects of hypocrisy are going to be exposed. Is what Jesus is saying. The the Pharisees and scribes pretended to be righteous, but but uh, they were not. They were hypocrites, and Jesus exposed that. It came to light. But, but it, had, it was having an influence. And so He said, beware of it. Beware of it. Brother, we've got to be genuine in our lives because of the judgment day. We've got to be genuine. Authentic. There's a word here lots bandied about sometimes these days. Be authentic. Well, often that simply means just, quote, be true to yourself. I'm not talking about being true to ourselves. We're talking about being true to Jesus. Don't be self-seeking. Romans, the second chapter, says those who are self-seeking are going to have wrath, tribulation, and anguish. So it's not about self-seeking authenticity. It's about authentic faith. Not being negligent, but submissively obedient and diligent. Christians. The practical... You know... That, that runs the gamut from controlling my temper to worshiping faithfully when the saints meet. It runs the gamut of when I'm here. Am I in fact worshiping God or is my mind somewhere else? Am I genuinely offering praise as I sing songs or is my mind a thousand miles away? It's about diligent faith. Not hypocritical, not pretense, not pretending, because in judgment we will answer for all those things and more. For our life. Remember, our our hearts, our words, and our deeds. They're all going to be fully on display, giving an account. Look at Hebrews 4 with me. In that text of of warning us not to fall away, he brings up and he's using the illustration of Israel. And that they 
they died in the wilderness. Um, verse, well, Hebrews 3 and uh, 18 says, To whom did He swear that they would not enter His rest, but to those who did not obey? So you see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering His rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. The whole generation didn't enter a land of promise because they did not believe. They did not obey. You see the connection about with belief and obedience? They didn't obey. They didn't enter because of unbelief. You can't believe and not obey and have a saving faith. It's not a saving faith. But now we have a promise of a rest. And so we need to be afraid that we don't follow that example. He says, let us fear. We've been studying about fear on Sunday morning. Well, here's something we need to be afraid of. We need to be afraid of the fact that, 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 that if we are not genuinely in faith obeying God, we're not going to enter the rest. Drop down to verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Again, how's Judgment Day affect us? Well, by reminding us that we don't, we don't just casually enter heaven. We deliberately go there. We, we can't be apathetic and negligent. But obedient faith is what God calls us to. So we see we've got to serve Christ with our whole heart. Our whole heart. And in teaching about preparation for judgment in Matthew 24, near the end of that chapter, Jesus talked about the wise servant and the foolish servant. He said, Whoever is faithful and wise, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household? He said, blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. The, the faithful and wise servant, though the master's away, is dutiful and committed to fulfilling the wishes and will of the master. Because that's God. We must be faithful and wise servants. And the blessing will come when the master returns. But if that evil servant says, verse 48, he says in my heart, in his heart, my master is delaying his coming. And he begins to beat his fellow servants, to eat and drink with the drunkards. The master of the servant will come on a day that he's not looking for him, and at an hour that he's not aware of. That is, he, he's not ready. He's not prepared. He wasn't anticipating the master to return yet. He's out. He, he's He's indulging himself at the expense of the master and at the expense of others. He says, the master will cut, will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, we're either with the hypocrites or we're faithful and wise servants of Jesus. It takes the whole heart you know, to, to accept the blessing and use our blessings to further his cause. The parable of the talents. The men received the, the talents and they used them, the five and two talent men used that to increase the, uh, the blessings of their master. And they were blessed. 
One talent man was afraid. He hid the talent in the ground. He didn't use the blessing from, from his master. And he lost his soul. Cast him out. Being a Christian is not treading water, brethren. It's not treading water. There's progress for every one of us in the kingdom of God. We can move forward. Whatever the blessing in our hand, and we all have blessings in our hand, that is in our lives, we're to use them wholeheartedly to advance the kingdom of God. Holy, godly living. You see. Go back to 2 Corinthians 5. We look at verse 10. And properly, we've been talking about the standing before the judgment seat of Christ, but look at the verse before and after that passage, that statement. He says in verse 9, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, this puts in perspective. Because we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, our aim is to please Him. He said, and then verse eleven, he goes on to say, "Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we trust, but we are well known to God, and also trust is are well known in your consciences." So Paul says, "Now, not only do we try to please Him in all things, because we're going to be judged, but we understand what happens if we don't please Him, and if others don't please Him, and so we persuade men." We're preaching His Gospel. We're trying to persuade to change hearts through the power of truth, through the power of the love of God, of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Save some. Because we know the terror of the Lord. We know the blessings of the Lord. We know the terror of the Lord. And so, He says, our aim, our objective, our goal is to please Him. Judgment's coming. We're going to give an account. And we want you to escape the terror of the Lord. And we want to escape the terror of the Lord. And so, we preach the Gospel, he said. Well, we like Paul must have such a commitment to live a holy life, a godly life, to be found in peace when Christ returns. Not antagonistic with God and therefore His enemy and lose our souls. That's where we have to examine ourselves with truth. That's where we have to repent. We have to make those corrections. We have to follow His Word for our salvation. Third point, how judgment day affects us. Well, it ought to affect us by being patient and waiting on the judgment of the Lord. You know, sometimes we get very impatient. But I want you to see that in John the fifth, uh, I'm sorry, James the fifth chapter. 7 through 11. Uh, James encourages and teaches the brethren here who are under pressures because of their faith. And they see inequities. Earlier in that chapter, they see the rich apparently prospering and being oppressed. They were oppressing uh, the, the, those who are not. They were oppressing the brethren, oppressing the laborers. And, uh, and you know. It, it is a temptation not to not to wait on the judgment of the Lord, to be impatient, uh, to grow angry and bitter and and vengeful. 
And so James writes, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Okay, the coming of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, the day of judgment is when He's going to uh, judge those uh, situations, those people, and they're going to have to give account to Him. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So, so he's, he's already made his point earlier in the chapter. The Lord knows your plight. He knows your oppression. He's, he, and He will respond. He is coming. It is, it is near. You be patient. You wait on the Lord. Don't run out ahead of the Lord. Be patient. Don't grumble against one another, brethren. See, that's indicative of not doing that. Lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Okay? So, so grumbling at brethren, that's not going to solve the problem, and that's not waiting on the Lord. He says, you have responsibility to establish your heart. Establish your heart in faithfulness, in holy living, in godliness, you see. Now go on. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Here's the connection. When you suffer, you suffering right now, be patient. You need an example of that? Remember the prophets. Go back and, go back and read about Jeremiah. Go back and, and read about God's prophets who, who struggled and suffered and, and were threatened and killed. Zechariah and others. He says, indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You've heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. God is compassionate. God is merciful. It is not our place to take vengeance for ourselves. That belongs to God. And He will fully repay those who are unjust, those who sin against the righteous. The coming day of judgment compels us to wait for the Lord's judgment and to know that He's going to right every wrong. He's going to fully and completely address every injustice, every sin. And He's going to vindicate His people. Just as Job was vindicated, the prophets were vindicated as they were true to God. Look at these verses. Romans 12, it teaches us this very point. In Romans the 12th chapter, beginning in about verse 17, the Apostle said, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. You see, repaying somebody evil for evil they do to us is not waiting on the Lord. It's not, being, it's not enduring. It's not being patient. We need to regard good things. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. Here's a direct commandment. Don't avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. What wrath? Well, God's wrath. As it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. And so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on your head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. To overcome evil with good is what Jesus did and what He teaches us to do because the judgment day is coming. He's going to, 
address those things. He's going to write it. He's going to vindicate you in righteousness. You'll give an account. You'll give a reckoning. And so will other, uh, those who, who sin against you. And it seems to be that they do it without any consequence. Well, we know that there will be and eternally so if they don't repent. So let's be, let's be a friend to those who are not friendly. Let's love their soul rather than try to take a personal vengeance that is harmful to the whole process of the Gospel for them and for us. In 2 Thessalonians 1, pick up the reading in verse 4, it says, So we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. See, they're, they're doing the very thing James said to do. They were waiting on the Lord and they're being persecuted, but they're, being, but they're enduring, they're being faithful which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. God's people were being persecuted and the picture, you get the picture is, hey, God's going to have to act sometime. There's going to be a righteous judgment. And the fact that His people are suffering magnifies the reality of the judgment. He says it's, it's evidence of a righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God but for which you also suffer. Since it's a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His, flame, with his, uh, with his mighty angels. Talk this morning about Jesus coming with His angels. When He does, He's going to right every wrong. He's going to be tr- bring trouble on those who trouble His people. And He's going to give rest to those who've been troubled. So wait on the Lord. You keep enduring. You keep on being faithful in your life. You wait for the blessing that will surely come. We have an inheritance laid up that's incorruptible, undefiled, and reserved in heaven for us. Protected there to be revealed when Jesus returns. So you wait for that blessing like the farmer waits for the blessing. Sorry, like the, like the farmer waits for the blessing of the rains. He waits for the rains for the blessing to come. Wait for the blessing. Remain faithful to the Lord. Revelation 14, 12 and 13. In that text, as it's written to Christians being persecuted or sin will be persecuted, it says here's the patience of the saints. Here is this waiting, this endurance. You know, that waiting is not sitting down on our hands. It's continuing to be diligently faithful. Here's the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandment of God and the faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their works follow them. Here here you have toiled, you have labored faithfully in the face of adversity and opposition. God knows that. God sees that and God rewards that with eternal rest. This is the patience of the saints. Those who keep His commandments. Wait on the Lord. The judgment day will not be escaped. Nobody's going to escape that day. It, it, you know, those who were saying, well, where's the promise of His coming? They forgot the judgment of the flood. 
And they need to remember that God's reserved this world for fire. Nobody's going to escape. So, what would your answer be? Will it be an answer of trembling fear? But you stay lost in your sin like Felix? When Felix heard the word of the Gospel, when, and Paul talked to him about the judgment to come, Felix was terrified. But he said, go your way. I look, and he, was look, he looked for a convenient season. Okay, so he heard the message of the judgment and he was scared. But he was lost anyway because he didn't act in faith. He didn't obey the Gospel. So we can do that tonight. We can be terrified. We can tremble in fear and then walk away and just be what we've always been without doing the will of God. We're going to be lost. Or we can obey the warning. We can repent. And we can have salvation. We can be like the men of Nineveh. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. When the men of Nineveh heard that message, they repented in sackcloth and ashes and God withdrew the judgment, the punishment that He said He would bring upon them. God has said if we're living in sin, His judgment's upon us. And there'll be wrath and indignation. It's a terrible thing, a fearful thing to fall into the hands of God. But if we'll be faithful, then it'll be a day of blessing. So, our choice must be to fear God and obey Him now. Don't fear men, but fear God. Not only does the Bible say it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God, it also says our God is a consuming fire. God in judgment consumes every wickedness, every evil. And this is, this is why we put our faith in Jesus. Why we follow His Word so that we can have boldness in the day of judgment. Look at a couple of verses from 1 John as we close. 1 John 4 and verse 17 says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. We have boldness on, that, on the judgment day if we, live, if we perfect love in our lives. If we have mature love the way... God loves. If we'll be like He is in this world. Jesus was love in this world. He, he had active goodwill toward the world. He gave Himself for the world. If we will act in love for God and for man, fearing God, keeping His commandments, loving our neighbors ourselves, then we, can, we as Christians can have boldness in the day of judgment. Because God's made a promise and He's going to fulfill it. Back up to chapter 3. Pick up the reading there. Really in verse 1. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it didn't know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, the day of judgment, when He is revealed, when He returns, we shall be like Him for we shall see Him as He is, as we will share in His glory. Colossians says, chapter 3 and verse 4, we will be as He is. We will have eternal blessing with Him forever and ever. We'll see Him as He is. And now look, everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. That's the effect that the promise of God ought to have on us. We're God's children. 
when the Lord returns, we'll be like Him and with Him. And so we purify ourselves now. We'll get ready for that day. Holy, godly living. We repent when we need to. We confess that sin. We, we reform our life to conform to truth. We become a Christian by faith, repenting and being baptized. So the past sins are forgiven. And we now can live with Jesus now and eternally. If we can help you prepare for the day of judgment by becoming a Christian or correcting sin, praying to our Father as Christians, we urge you to come. I'll obey the gospel call while we stand by the sin.